Today's daf is Tet in Shekalim. We are on Chet Amud Bet, where we left off yesterday. One, two, three, four lines from the bottom of the Amud, where the last three words, Amar of Chanin. And uh, you'll notice a lot of the, there's a lot of overlap uh, between this and Masechet Psachim. Also, even though Masechet Psachim that we learned is in the Bavli and this in Yerushalmi, but there is a, there is some overlap. Um, discussion here of the measurements. So it says, um, uh, it says, uh, Amar of Chanin, Luga Deoraita, the log, which is the measurement that when we talk about a revi'it, we're talking about a quarter of something. Revi'it means quarter of. It has to be a quarter of something. It means a quarter of a log. Log is the large measurement. And a quarter of that, there's such a thing as rova hakav. There's a fourth of a kav. It can't just have a fourth. It has to be a fourth something. So it's a fourth of a log. This log is temunta atika it is the same as the old temunta that they used to have of that they would measure fish brine in in Tzipori. In other words, they were identifying, oh, if you want to know what the log is that it talks about, when it talks about it, eat the log, a quarter of a log, it's talking about this temunta. So if you take a quarter of that temunta, that will give you an idea. So it would be like if somebody pointed to some, uh, it's, like a, it's like a grande Starbucks uh, cup. Oh, okay, you know, it gives you like some kind of measurement that everybody knows. We don't, we don't know what it is, right? I know it, I remember it, he said. And it says, They used to have a container just like that in the house of Rabbi Yanai that they would put honey in it, okay? Now this part, the gras says you have to cut out. It doesn't belong here. And that, that we should skip to the next Amud where he says, which is the second line of Tet Amud Aleph. That this, this is all extra words that don't belong here. And that really the next place to continue is Tet Amud Aleph, the second line. If it wasn't really that old, in other words, if they still had this measurement around and they saw it in the house of Rabbi Yanai and they were using it, why is it called old then? Why does he refer to it as old? Right, because he said, "Oh, it's the old Temunta." Why is it called the old Temunta? He says because min begin the havabiyome. Right, since they had it around in his time, so uh, you know it, it's a uh, uh, the zira ve um, right it it amre the havat zira ve rabta ve it amre the azira. So it says that the uh, that what happened was that it changed over time. So it was um, it existed in his time. So the fact that he called it old, even though uh, even though it was uh, it was around even in his time, it was around when he was younger. In other words, he's saying it changed since then. Oh, I remember it. In other words, so he calls it old because it was from the olden times of his life, not because it was from before he lived. Right. So he said because. It used to be small, and they made it bigger, okay? And some say that they made it smaller again, but not like it originally was. In other words, the point was that since it varied over time, the size of it, so he was saying it's like the old one that I remember from, you know, the certain point in my life, okay? So uh, that's why he called it old, because it used to be um, smaller than it became later, uh, and then when it became bigger, even when it became small after that, it didn't become quite as small as it was originally. So he's saying that this was the original, original one. I remember it when I was younger. Don't think it's the large size coffee cup of today. It's a large size coffee, coffee cup when I was younger, right? 
which was, you know, uh, smaller than what they have now, but uh, not quite as small as, you know, you know, smaller than uh, than it was ten years ago, but not, but uh, not not the same as what it is today. And as he was saying that it was like it went through an evolution. It would be like if they used to make a large cup, like uh, what they call a uh, a grande cup, you know, in the in Starbucks, they used to have like that. And now what is? And then what became a large cup was larger than that, and they made it smaller again, but not like it used to be. So he's saying like it was, it's like the one that used to be in the old days. That's so that's why he calls it old. Okay, but that was the look. Now. What's the size of a cup? And when you're talking about a revi'it, what's the size? Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef ben Pazi, Rabbi Yosef ben Bevai, Bishem Rabbi Shmuel, Etzbaim al Etzbaim al Rum, Etzbaim mechatzav shalishetzba. It is two four fingers by two fingers. In other words, if you're doing length, width, and height, right, to create a cubic uh, cubic volume, right? So it's two fingers by two fingers by a finger and a half and a third, which is basically a finger and uh, five sixths. Okay, so that's the that's the cubic measurements of the revi'it that you need for the cup. Rabbanan de Kesarev, Rabbi Yosef Bar Bevai, Veshem Shmuel. They said the rabbis of of Caesarea and Rabbi Yosi Bar Bevai in the name of Shmuel said Atiyat Rabbi Natan Rabbi Shimon. What Rabbi Natan said follows what Rabbi Shimon said. We didn't say what either of those things are yet, so don't get worried yet. Right? Kemad di Rabbi Shimon Amar Bevi'it, Kedamar Rabbi Natan Bevi'it. What Rabbi Shimon said regarding Rabbi'it is the same thing as Rabbi Natan said regarding Rabbi'it. Lekishikras Rebo Kazait. That it's the amount that if you, it dried up and became, if it coagulated basically and became solid, right? It dried into a solid, it would be a Kazait. That's what Rabbi'it is. Rabbi'it is the amount that if it dried up, it would be. A, uh, it would become a kazait. So even though, in other words, even though you might say right now this liquid takes up the same amount of space as a kazait, that doesn't make it a v'it. It would be that if it dr- if it became solid, would it ca- would it take up the space of a kazait? That's the that's the definition of a v'it. And Rabbi Simon, Rabbi Shimon Levi, Rabbi Shemeta. One time, a donkey of Rabbi Yudanasi died. and they said that its blood was not the mishum nevela. Its blood was not Tamei because of Nevelah. Now, we know that normally Nevelah is Tamei, right? The question is about the blood. What is the status of the blood of Nevelah? So he said that they said that the blood was not Tamei. Okay, Vishal Rebbe, it should say Elazar at Rebbe Simon. Rebbe Elazar at Rebbe Simon had come how much Veloashkachbe, but he wouldn't answer him. In other words, he was asking, does that mean that a little bit of the blood isn't Tamei? But if you had a lot, if you had an amount that if you dried it up, it would become a Kazayit. Would that still be Tamei? Because the flesh of the animal is Tamei. A kazayit of the flesh of Nevelah is Tamei. What about the blood? If you turned it into a solid, if it was an amount that if you turned it into solid, it would be a kazayit. Would it be the same or not? But he wouldn't answer it. Rabbi Simon didn't answer him. He wasn't in, inclined to answer him. So he said, uh, so, uh, so he left. Vishal Rabbi Shoban Levi asked Rabbi Shoban Levi, Rabbi Shoban Levi said, you're right, up to a revi'it, it doesn't have any tumah, but once it reaches a revi'it, which is the amount, that if you made it into a solid, it would be a kazayit, so then it is going to create tumah, even though it's blood. Okay? Uba'asle Rabbi Elazar, Adela Chazale Rabbi Simon, Shmu'ata. Rabbi Elazar was offended that Rabbi Simon would not answer him. He had to go to a different rabbi to get an answer. He wouldn't answer 
One time Rav Bevai was sitting and telling over the whole story about the donkey of Rabbi, how it died, the mule actually, and its blood was considered not to mate. Right? And, and what happened? He was telling over the story. Rabbi Yitzchak Barkana said, He asked the same question. Are you saying that the blood of the donkey is only tahor up to a revi'it? But if it's actually a lot of blood, that if you, if you made it into a solid, it would be like a kazait. So then it should be the same as the flesh of the animal. Right? He asked him the same question. Literally, that means he kicked him. But it means like he rejected him. He dismissed it. He didn't want to answer. He's asking you a question. You're, being, uh, you're kicking him. You know I mean? Why are you giving him such a hard time? He just wants to know the answer. It's because my mind is not settled. You know, I'm not, I'm not in a good mood. You know, I'm very stressed. That's why I was harsh with him. This is one of the klalot. When it talks about the curses in the Torah, it says, your life will be hanging in front of you. That's a person who only knows where their food is coming from for the next year. They bought enough food for the year, but they don't know what's going to be after that year. Like imagine you only know your income for the next year. You don't know what's after. Right? And it says you're going to be afraid. Night and day. That's a person who goes and buys for a week. From the guy who sells you a week worth of uh, a week's worth of flour, so you know where a week is coming from. You won't trust your life. These are the these are the psukim from the klalot, from the curses. It should be like we say a palter, meaning you're taking it from the baker. In other words, you only have a day food, right? So the person who knows he has a year, that person is not fully secure, but not too bad. And then the guy who only knows a week is less secure. And the guy only has a day. Each day he has bread, but he doesn't know if he's going to have food tomorrow. That guy's least secure. And he said, And I'm one that I am relying on the baker, right? I'm one that I don't know where my tomorrow's bread is coming from. So since I'm very stressed out, somebody asks me a question, I get annoyed. I said, get, you know, leave me alone. You know, and, and it was just because he was stressed. But anyway, uh, what's the bottom line? We learned that Rabbi Yoshua ben Petorah said that the blood of Nevela is Tahor. So that seems to imply that even if you have a lot of it, it's Tahor. Even if you have a Ravid, it's Tahor. Because that was the question, right? They're continuing the conversation now. Now that we're over the psychological issues of who's insulting whom, now we're back to the actual topic, which is, what was the bottom line? He asked a question. One person said, yeah, it seems like a Ravid should be, but what's the bottom line? Well, Rabbi Yoshua ben Pintura said that blood of a nevela is tahor, completely. But you could say, It could be that that's only lachshir. In other words, if that blood falls on some other item, it will not make it, it will not give it hechshir tumah. It will not make it something that can receive tumah. But that doesn't mean that the blood itself, if you ever eat, won't be a source of tumah. That's a different question. We learned over there, It said that the blood of a sheretz, the blood of like one of the crawling things that's, that's tamay, its flesh is, um, is just like its blood. It creates tum'ah, but it doesn't make other things that it falls on capable of, of, of receiving tum'ah. So if the blood of a sheretz falls onto a vegetable, it doesn't make the vegetable capable of receiving tum'ah. It has to be a different liquid. So what do you see there? You see, ve'en lanu kayotzebo. Right? Meaning, and we don't have anything else like it. Meaning there's nothing else that, that creates tum'ah, but doesn't, give other vegetables or fruits the ability to receive tumah. So you can't say, if you're going to say that the blood of Nevelah 
does not give other things the ability to receive Tumah, so you're also saying that it doesn't create Tumah, because the only case where you have something that creates Tumah but doesn't give other things the ability to become Tameh is by the blood of a Sheretz. That's the only case. It says, no, Tama Sheretz Kim is different. The Tumah the moment Tameh Kim right? V'shi'ur Tumah That's only when the measurement is that measurement. In other words, that's a, the, the only case... Uh, that, that we say that blood of a sheretz, when it's the amount of flesh of a sheretz, because a sheretz is mitame, not bekazayit. A sheretz is mitame bechadashah, the size of a lentil, right? A lentil size. That amount of blood, uh, in that case, will not, cre- that's where we said there's a unique situation. That, um, that l'shi'ur tomato, shedam sheretz mitame bechadashah kibesar sheretz, mashin kedam novela, eno gozar novela bekazayit el bevi'it. Right, meaning that it could be that the only case where you have a unique situation with the blood of a sheretz is because the measurement is so small. So we say that the blood could create tumah, but it will not make something else mikabel tumah because of that. It's that's unique, but in, that the measurement of its tumah is is unique. That's what makes it unique. But actually, the blood of a nevelaf, it's a large enough amount that if you translated it into a solid, it would be a kazait. It could be just like a uh, the meat of the nevela, and it, and it will it will, it will translate. The, this case of the sheretz is unique because the measurement is unique because it's such a small amount. That's why it said it was unique because it's such a small amount. Not because uh, the, the nevela doesn't have the same rule. Could be that the blood of nevela is, uh, you know, when it reaches the level of a revi'it, will create tumah. And so the uh, and so the Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi said, there was a machlok between two Amoraim. One says Tameh, one says Taur. The one that said it's Tameh is like what Rabbi Yudah said. In other words, what we said above, that if it's a Revi'it, it will create Tumah. And the one that says it's Taur is following what Rabbi Yoshua ben Torah said, that it is Taur. It makes sense because, um, because actually Rabbi Yehuda was the Posek. He was the one who established the halacha for the house of the Nasi. And he was the one that, uh, you know, that, that uh, gave, the, therefore gave the ruling when it came to the question of the, um, the uh, that's why he said since it was less than a revi'it, he was the one that gave the ruling on Rabbi's household. That said it was less than a revi'it, they didn't have to be worried about the blood being a source of Tum'ah. But if it had been more than a Revi'it, he would have said that it was an issue. But that was because he was the Posek of the, in that case. That was why the case came out that way. That's what it's saying. But, the, uh, but technically, um, according to Rabbi Yoshua ben Peturat saying, even if it's more than a Revi'it, it wouldn't create Tum'ah. It wouldn't create Tum'ah, according to Rabbi Yoshua ben Peturat. Even if it's more than a Revi'it, it never creates Tum'ah. It only, like we said before, only p- potentially maybe makes other things... Um, uh, the que- the question that the, the initial interpretation of Rabbi Yoshua ben Torah above was that uh, when he said tahor is oh maybe that just means it doesn't allow other things to become tahor but really uh, I mean to become tamei but it itself uh, uh, could be tamei so now it's saying no according to that view it's completely tahor it's it's one or the other either it's completely tahor or it's tamei when it reaches a certain measurement and they were saying that Rabbi Yehuda is the one who said that when it reaches a certain measurement it is tamei if it's less than that it is tahor that, and that was why he said that the blood of the donkey was tahor now we said before that the person who goes to bring the money out 
uh, of the uh, lishka of the chamber that has the shkalim, he has to make sure not to look suspicious, right? Because maybe he's going to get poor. People will say it's because he stole, or he's going to get rich, and people are going to say it's because he stole. So it says, Tanei Rabbi Yisrael, Kavatz A person who has long hair should not go to do this uh, shkalim because maybe he's going to put in his hair some coins in there and walk out. We don't know. Okay, people are creative. You never know. If he was wearing any kind of, a, 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 um, let's say, like uh, clothing that was stringy and like uh, tangled, they would untangle everything. So he couldn't stick it into, you know, the, the talit or stick it into that and, and come out with it. And Because they would talk with him the entire time he was inside. They would keep him talking. Oh, how do you like the dentist does? You know, he keeps talking even though you can't answer. Can't answer. Right? He talked to him the whole time. Why? The reason was, Oh, so what's the reason? Because they didn't want him to put it in his mouth. Right? If he's quiet in there, he's going to put the coin in his mouth. Nobody will know. Yeah, nobody will know. He's in quiet. So they had to keep him talking. So it says, why not? Why don't they put maim? Why don't they put water in his mouth instead? Because he has to say a bacha on the um, separating the chumat when he takes the coins. He has to say a bacha. So he can't have water in his mouth, but he, they talk with him the whole time so he doesn't uh, put anything in his mouth. Rabbi Shmuel, Shmuel, Baran Nachman, Rabbi Yonatan. not holding with the Ramban, you could say bracha in your heart. Unless you say it's not the That's not the ever. Even the Rambam doesn't say that's the Rajwa bar Nachmana, Abishem Rabbi Yonatan, Batovan Bektuvim, Matsanu Shadatzakatzit de Abriot, Keder Shutzakatzit de Makom. In the Torah and in the Navi and in the Ketuvim, it says that just like a person has to be accepted in the eyes of Hashem, he has to be accepted in the eyes of human beings. Okay, where is it in the Torah? But Torah. This was mentioned in the Mishnah. You should be clean in the eyes of Hashem and the eyes of the Jewish people. That's in, um, in uh, or Yisrael Hu I think it is, right? Uh, yeah, that's when, when at the end of Sefer Yoshua, those are both from Sefer Yoshua. Well, I mean, one is from the, the uh, Bnei Ruven and Bnei Gad. They're both from Bnei Ruven and Bnei Gad. One is from Moshe Rabbeinu talking to them, and one is from Yoshua talking to them later when they build the Mizbeach on the other side of the Yarden, and everyone is like, oh, they're trying to make their own Beit HaMikdash, and they got really upset, and they said, no, God knows we weren't doing that. We didn't mean that. We just did it as a symbol to show that we're Jewish. So that was, they were saying, they were explaining that uh, even though in Hash- Hashem knows, right? It says, even though Hashem knows that we did, what we did was innocent, the Jewish people have to also know that what we did was innocent, right? So you see that you have to be innocent in the eyes of people too. And, how do you know from Ketuvim? He should find uh, uh, grace in the eyes of God and, and man, right? So that shows you that... Um, that shows you that it's important for us to uh, be seen in a positive light, not only in the eyes of Hashem, where Hashem obviously knows the ultimate truth, but also in the eyes of people who may doubt us or question our, you know, our honesty, that we have to, uh, we have to earn their trust also by behaving in a way that doesn't invite any suspicion on us, right? Gamliel zugashal rabbi yosi barabi bon. What is the, he asked Rabbi Yosei Bar Rabbi Bon, what is the, um, 
what is the most convincing of all of these sources? Meaning, what's the best source of all? And he said to him, where it says to the Bnei Ruven and Bnei Gad, when you go to the, you have to fulfill your obligation, you should be clean from Hashem and from the Jewish people. That is the clearest source that we have. Now, the next Mishnah says, the family of Rabban Gamliel had a minhag that they would go in when they were about to, we remember that they gathered all the coins in the, in, in the, in the, um, chamber of the coins, and according to the Rambam, the way I explained it was according to the Rambam, that they had three big chests there, basically, that they put the money in, and they would take from each one into smaller kupot. That's the way the Rambam has it. Others have, no, that they just had a pile of money in there, and they would just take from the pile of money. The Rambam has it, there's two steps. First, they organize it in three big chests, and then they take from each chest into a smaller containers, right? Either way... Um, I, I think Kohanim did it, but uh, I think Kohanim did it, but I don't know if they had to. Probably not. Probably they wouldn't have to. Now, so I guess anyone could do it. But so Rabban Gamliel would go. The Rabban Gamliel's family would go in, and they would throw their coin. He wanted to make sure that his coin definitely got in, because remember, whatever was left over. Right? Whatever was left over would be repurposed to something else, as we're going to see in the coming Prakim. It would be repurposed to something else. He wanted to make sure that his coin went for the Korban. So, and there, were always, there was always a surplus. So he always wanted to make sure his went in for the Korbanot. That the, the person who goes in to take the coins out of the chamber always says, first, do I have your permission? Like what we saw with uh, with the Omer, right? Should I uh, should I do it? Yes, do it. Should I do it? Yes. So same thing. Should I should I take the money? Yes. So he does it with the permission of the people. He took. Now the way the Rambam interprets it is he took it out of the first big chest, the chipa bekatbaliot, and then he would cover it with some kind of a leather covering. He took from the second baliot, and he covered that one. He didn't cover the last one. He didn't want to go back and take from the wrong thing. In other words, the way he kept himself in order was that he covered each one as he did it. That's the way the Rambam interprets it. The way the other Rishonim says that it was just one pile of coins. So what did they do? The first, um, the first uh, delivery of Shkalim were on the bottom. Okay? And he would take from that. And then they w- and when he was done with, and, and that was around Pesach time, right? Then they would cover over. And then when the next delivery came, they put it on top of that. So they knew those were the new ones and they would take it around Shavuot time and then they put another cover on top of that. And then when it was, that was what they would take at the end. So that was to separate one delivery of money from the next according to the other interpretation. Okay, but in any case, for the first time when he would take the money, he would do it with having in mind for Eretz Yisrael. Then he would have in mind for the Kachima Mukafin, for the um, for the cities around there, it's Israel, around um, Israel, and then the third time um, he would have in mind for the the further away countries. Now again, if you're saying like the Rambam. That means when he took from chest number one, he had one intention. When he took from chest number two, he had one intention. When he took from chest number three, he took one intention because he was doing all three chests each time. Okay? Just in a different order each time. He would do one and two and three, and then the next time we would do three, one, two, and then the last time we would do two, three, one, according to the Rambam. According to the others, each time, meaning the first time on Erev Pesach, or not Erev Pesach, two weeks before Pesach, he would have in mind for Eretz Israel. Second time, he would have in mind for the other cities. Third time, he would have in mind for the diaspora. Okay? Either way. Now the Gemara says, 
But if you have piles of money there and you take from one al chavero, doesn't it count for everybody? Meaning, why do you have to make sure your coin goes in? It counts for everybody. Whatever they take counts for everybody. Right? It's on behalf of everybody. So it says, no. It was just a personal thing. They wanted their coin to be offered. You know, it was a, it, you're right. According to, technically, according to Allah, they fulfilled the mitzvah. Everyone fulfills the mitzvah. But they wanted theirs to be in there. As soon as they took away those covers, everything became shirayim. Now again, according to the Rambam, that means when they're done with all, everyone's saying that means when they're done with all three of the times, like they go through the cycle. Right? According to the Rambam, that means that they're done taking from the three big chests the three times that they do it. According to the others, it means the third delivery has already come in. So they did the third uh, after the third delivery of coins and then they take away those covers that were separating one money from the, from the other and they all pi- fall back into one big pile. And then it's Shiraim, it's the leftovers. It's a bishkaga, if it happened by mistake. They all became Shiraim. Right? No, at the end, I think they do it on purpose. No? Uh-huh. I am pretty sure they do it on purpose in the end. One second. Does it, what does he say? It says, where did you say that it says Bishkaga? Right. Accidentally, it says. Right. 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 The last delivery of Shkalim was the richest of all. That they had golden blankets or golden like garments that they wrapped golden coins in it. In other words, the ones that came from the furthest away lands, that's where the, where the Jews were very rich. They were sending the, the most expensive stuff. They're adding, eat when they would do this and say, oh, this is for Eretz Yisrael, this is for this. It doesn't really mean to exclude anybody. Right? When they would take it for Eretz Israel and for the whole Jewish people. And the second time, they would do it for the walled cities. And for everybody. In other words, they had in mind maybe a specific intention to represent certain subgroups, but really everything was for everyone. Right? Everything was to represent everyone. But they emphasized that they had in mind for these specific subgroups so nobody felt like disenfranchised. Like, oh, mine came later. I didn't count. Mine didn't really make a difference. And so on. Now, again, according to the, the way that the Rambam interprets this, uh, well, according to, I think, just about everyone, this is talking about the three kupot that they had. In other words, when they, um, according to everyone else, this is talking about the three kupot that they had that they took from the larger ones, okay? According to the Rambam, it seems like it might be talking about the bigger chests. But either way, they would take from the first, they would take from the second, they would take from the third, and then Chazal Shneather would go back to the second one. When they ran out from the, in other words, they would take from the first, second, and third, then they would finish the third, then they would go back to the second, then they would go back to the first. Now, Shloshtan, if they went and they completed all three. Now, according to the Rambam, this seems to mean if they completed all three of the large chests, they depleted all of it. 
So now all they have left is the leftover stuff that didn't fit into the big chests. According to the way that the other Rishonim interpreted that there were no three big chests. There was just a pile of money and they took three kupot three times. It means if they depleted everything that was in the three kupot, the three smaller kupot that they took the money from, and now they had nothing left in those, so all they have left is the leftovers. So what do they do? It says shokel, they have to collect again. They have to go for another collection. Rabbi Meir Omer, no, Chosel Shiraim, go back to those leftovers and take from those. Okay, Shaya Rabbi Meir Omer, Mo'alim B'Shiraim, Shemitzah Chulen Basof. His opinion was that those leftovers don't lose their Kiddushah completely. Because there's always the possibility that you're going to deplete the ones that you have, that you took out, and you're going to have to go back to them. Because there was always a surplus. And this doesn't really relate to what Rabbi Meir just said, but generally, the idea that you have to be so careful and be clean in the eyes of Hashem, in the eyes of human beings, that it's going back to that, really. How careful you have to be. That This is very famous, and it appears a couple of times, it appears at least three times in Shas, uh, in different forms, okay? And very famously, the Mesilat Yisharim is based on the statement of Rabbi Ben Nachas Ben Yair, but not this version. The version in Masechet Davod Azra is the one that he used. But Rabbi Ben Nachas Ben Yair said, Being very meticulous and very uh, passionate about mitzvot leads to cleanliness, meaning purity, a type of purity. And that leads you to tahara. That leads you to holiness. Holiness leads you to humility. A person who is humble will fear sin. A person who fears sin will become a chassid, a pious person. And a person who is uh, very um, pious will, become, will achieve Ruach HaKodesh. And a person who has divine inspiration, he will bring about Tchiyat uh, which could mean that that will bring Tchiyat to the Jewish people, meaning that will bring about that zechut, um, the zechut of the uh, of achieving Ruach HaKodesh is what's going to bring about Tchiyat the revival of the dead, or it could mean that he has the ability to do it, he'll be able to do miracles it's from his Ruach HaKodesh. That has to be after Eliyahu, after Mashiach. Right? Well, that's what it says, Eliyahu Zuchulatov, that will bring Eliyahu HaNavi, now the way they interpret it is, meaning that once you're ready for Tchiyat HaMetim, Eliyahu HaNavi will come, because he's going to be there first before the Tchiyat HaMetim happens. Now this is a different order than Mesiyat Sharim has, because Mesiyat Sharim has that Tara leads to Ruach HaKodesh, um, that uh, there, there are different, there are different versions. There, I remember the Rambam has a version that Torah leads to Ruach Hakodesh, different order. But the, um, the this as Chasidut brings it, which no, I think is actually what uh, Mesiyat Sharim has. The Rambam has a different version. There, there are different versions of this uh, of this statement. Do you have people who reach these levels of Ruach Hakodesh today? I don't know. I mean, it sounds like a formula. Yeah, could uh, I don't know. The Rambam says in the Rambams. I remember the Rambam says in the beginning of Masachet uh, of Seder Tarot in the Mishnah. He says, "Oh, Tahara leads to Ruach Hakodesh." I remember he specifically says that because he says, "If you learn the laws of Tarot, you can achieve Ruach Hakodesh if you really understand it." But I, you know, so he had a different version than this. But apparently, he thought it was capable capable of doing it. Zrizut v'aldeniki. How do you know that being very um, passionate about mitzvot brings you to cleanliness. Because it says he, it, the, he finishes, meaning a person who finishes off a mitzvah completely, it's, it's, uh, it, it gives him kaparat, makes him uh, cle- cleansed of his uh, failings. A person who's cleansed of his failings becomes pure because it says the Kohen atones for the woman and she becomes pure. 
Torah Mivyali de Kiddusha, how do you know purity brings you to holiness? It says you purify it and you sanctify. So purity then sanctity. Kiddusha Mivyali Anava, how do you know sanctity leads to humility? Hashem is the one who is on high and holy. Right, but the, who does Hashem look to? The one who is lowly and is humble. So you see that from the rec- so it, it makes sense because what is kedusha really? Kedusha means that you rise above yourself, you perceive Hashem, and when you perceive Hashem, you become humble. Right? When a person becomes humble, then they fear sin because it says Right, that uh, a person who is humble will have fear of Hashem. That's from Mishlei, and therefore will do what's right. Right, you are tchel de chasidut. The person who fears sin will achieve chasidut. Dichtiv vechesed shem eolam vadolam al yureav. That the kindness of God is always on those who fear Him. Now it's taking kindness of God to mean piety, like chasidut, the pious, uh, you know, the piety. Chasidut vechesed de rocha kodesh. No, it means people who go beyond the fimish what they That's always yeah. That's, the Rambam always says chasid means someone who goes beyond. Or the in Sharim, a person who goes beyond, he lives by the right. He lives by the. It's even more because Chesed means also doing more than what the person Tzedakah means giving the person what they need. Chesed means more than that. Chesed means going more. That's why Chesed could even be uh, bad because it says if a person is with their sister, oh Chesed, who it's too much, meaning ex, any excess. But a Chesed can be good. Chesed that's done an excess of good. Right, so it means going beyond what's required. A guy needs five dollars, you give him exactly five dollars. A guy needs five dollars, you give him twenty dollars. That's chesed. That's dakas, and you give him what he needs. Yeah, uh, yeah. So then, it, and then, uh, when it talks about uh, how does chasidut lead to rochah kodesh? As dibad v'chazon lechasidecha, because it says you speak in your visions to chasidecha to the chasidim. Right, it means the people who are pious. Rochah kodesh v'yaliday tchiat hamitim dechtiv v'adiruchi b'hem. Because it says, I will place my spirit in them, um, and they will, li- and they will live, you will live. In other words, the, the connection is when it's talking about the, uh, the, it says, I will put my spirit in them. So literally, it sounds like it means I'm going to put my spirit in those who are dead, but it's saying, actually, I'm going to put my spirit in those who are alive, and then they'll have the chut of having tchiatamitim. And we know that's yeah, we just read it um read it last week, right? So the uh that, that Eliyahu is gonna come because it says before the great and awesome day of Hashem. Eliyahu Navi is going to come. Tana B'shem Rabbi Meir. The order is not right. Eliyahu Navi comes and then Tchiat Hamidim. That's what they say in the Mefarshim here. They say uh-huh. that it means that he's going to because Tchiat Hamidim is going to happen. He has to come first. Uh-huh. He'll he will come. Uh-huh. He'll bring him in the sense that. Okay. The, <coughs> in that order. <coughs> yeah. And it says he'll come first. Yeah. Now it says Tanad b'shem Rabbi Meir. Call me shekabov Eretz Yisrael. Anybody who lives in Eretz Yisrael who midaber b'lishon hakodesh and he speaks Hebrew, v'ochel perotah b'tavan. He eats his fruits in purity. V'koyek kashma b'bokel b'erev, and he reads the Shema in the morning and the night. Yehem v'vosah sheben olam habavu. He can be informed that he's going to be in olam haba. Uh, so that's uh, that makes it sound pretty easy. So uh, pretty easy formula. Adran alach berch b'shosh shapachim. It's my only. Ch- it's my only chance. It's my only hope. The, the, hard, the hard approach won't work for me, so I have to go with the easy approach. 